0: Hello Difference Makers. Welcome to Living the Principles podcast episode 68. I'm Phyllis G. Williams.
1: I'm Latricia. Today we're talking about the principle Kujichagalia, self-determination. Part of the principle Kujichagalia is creating for ourselves and speaking for ourselves. One of the ways we do that is through writing. In this episode, we're going to read and review books that have been banned or challenged. Let's start out by talking about the history of book bans. Book banning has been around since the 17th century. At that time, it was all about religion. Then in the 19th century, the bans were more focused on slavery and anti-slavery and the Civil War. In the 20th century... The issues expanded to sexual content, profanity, politics, and narratives about American history. Now, in the 21st century, the targets are race, racism, sexual content, sexual assault, LGBTQ, and death and grief. From the 17th century to today, the theme is the same control, at least in my opinion.
0: So, Latricia, I agree with you. I believe that book banning is due to control. And back in the 1700s, if a girl showed her ankles, they probably couldn't see it that taboo and they wanted to control. But now in the year 2023, in recent years, I am amazed about some of the banning facts. For example, Oklahoma policymakers made a $10,000 a day fine for libraries not removing banned books. Between July 1st, 2021 and March 31st, 2022 alone, there were 1,586 book bans in 86 school districts across 26 states, affecting more than 2 million students, according to Penn America a nonprofit that advocates for free speech. American Library received requests to ban about 300 books in 2022. In 1998, one of my favorite books to read that made a big difference in my adult life was I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. It was banned, but returned. It was the most frequently banned and challenged book. And I think that's important for the audience to know that a book could be banned and it could be challenged and return back to the shelves, and they act like books are bullets. And this next fact blew my mind. Armed Idaho citizens met to ban books at a civil meeting. They call themselves the American Redoubt, a group of conservatives who have deemed places like Montana, Idaho, and parts of Washington as a safe haven. They went to a meeting armed to talk about books. So One of my favorite quotes, at least top five, is until the lion learns to speak, the hunter will always be the victor. And I feel by banning books, you silence those people who are willing to speak out or trying to tell the truth or bring other things to light.
1: That is the absolute truth. And I don't even think people realize that the censorship and the silencing that happens when you ban books. But you made a great point earlier about banning and challenging. So before we move on to talk about the books, let's talk about the difference between a challenge and a ban.
0: According to the American Library Association, a challenge is an attempt to remove or restrict materials from schools, curriculums, or libraries based upon the objections of a person or group. So when I hear a challenge, I hear in AAVE, oh, she tried it. Oh, he tried it. It's only a try. But a ban is the removal of materials from schools or libraries. So some books are challenged, but they're not banned. On one of our episodes, we talked about that. I think it was the the erasure of Afro Mexicans, one of our good news points was about an author whose book was returning to the shelf because it was only
1: challenged. Oh, yeah, I remember talking about that. I remember hearing you talk about that in the good news.
0: Yes. So we've talked about bands, we've talked about challenges. Now we're going to discuss some of the books that we enjoyed reading or books that we've really thought made a difference. One book that I would like to mention, I'm going to mention about three, is Roll of Thunder Hear My Cry. This book was written by Mildred Taylor, and it was banned due to the discussion of racism. Now I read this book when I was in junior high school, so maybe I was sixth or seventh grade, and Latricia, they had a movie, and the movie. Part of the movie was filmed in our small town in Mississippi. So, this book meant so much to me in addition to my personal experience as a child. The first time I seen representation for my city. Another reason this book is important to me because this is the first book that I remember reading in which black people took a stance against racism.
1: I love that book. It's so funny that you read that as a child and I'm a generation ahead of you. And I also read that not only as a young person, but even as an adult, when I lived in South Carolina, we had a book club that we started. We actually read that book in our book club. So even though it's, a, I guess, a, I wouldn't say a children's book, but maybe a youth I don't know how the the age span is but like you said it junior high school middle school so it is in essence I guess it is a children's book but reading it as an adult and discussing it with a group of adults was really interesting I didn't know it was banned
0: and I'm happy to hear you say that because I said I need to read this book again and I read a portion of it and oh my gosh the feels that was 11 years old compared to the Phyllis that's 39 years old have I've gained so many more experiences and it made me think this book is about cooperative economics of course I didn't have that vocabulary when I was 10 or 11 but I read parts of the book to refresh my memory and it was about cooperative economics and if you don't mind can I read one part of it
1: Yeah, that will
0: be fun. Once our land had been Granger land too, but the Grangers had sold it during reconstruction to a Yankee for tax money. In 1887, when the land was up for sale again, Grandpa had bought 200 acres of it. And in 1918, after the first 200 acres had been paid off, he had bought another 200. It was good, rich land. Much of it still virgin forest. And there was no debt on half of it. But there was a mortgage on the 200 acres bought in 1918. And there were taxes on the full 400. And for the past three years, there had not been enough money from the cotton to pay both and live on two. That was why Papa had gone to work on the railroad. 400 acres? Putting that in perspective Now is huge, and thinking of it in the early 1900s makes it very impactful. So, reading this book, I thought, yes, some people may be offended by the racial slurs, or they say they're offended by the racial slurs, but it can start to plant things in you as a child.
1: I think a lot of times we have to put things in perspective and take into account the period in time. Those things are real. These stories that people write, although some of it comes from their imagination, some of it comes from people's experiences, what they've seen, what they've been through, what they've heard, the stories that's been passed down from family members of previous generations. And it's like a combination of all of these things. I don't understand why people get so offended by certain content instead of just embracing it or even just accepting it for what it is.
0: Exactly. It just goes to show that people are moved by different things. I was moved by the 400 acres in the 1900s, but other people may be moved by the father sacrificing for his family. So there's so much beauty in that book as it relates to the African-American culture. All of my books are children books, but I do have another book I want to talk about if, if you don't have anything
1: else. What's your next book? My next book is
0: Sing a Song. That is the name of the book, Sing a Song. How Lift Every Voice and Sing Inspired Generations. And one thing I really find neat about this book is at the very beginning, before the title page, they have the lyrics to Lift Every Voice and Sing. If you've ever attended a Kwanzaa event in a community, this is one of the songs that's always chosen. So to see this as a band book baffled me. However, I scroll social media sometimes and there was a indoctrinated self-hating black person on there speaking about there's only one national anthem. And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 it's only one national anthem. And this is in the month of February. And this happened last year too with a well-known conservative black woman. But this year other people are using those same tactics to really divide or dilute the power of our culture, in my opinion. So Lift Every Voice and Sing is one of the songs that is considered a Negro National Anthem. And in this particular book, they give detail about how this song came about. Facts that people choose to ignore is that the only reason there are HBCUs, is because once upon a time, Black people couldn't attend college in America. The only reason there's things like BET is because we weren't properly represented or it was disproportionate. It was a disproportion of our videos being played. So these things don't come about in a effort to separate ourselves is to define ourselves because we've been ignored most of the times. So Lift Every Voice and Sing was a song that just did that because at this time, we weren't viewed as humans or we weren't viewed as American citizens. So that's why there's the song.
1: The lack of equality is what brought about all these things. And what is your third book? The
0: third book is also one of my favorite children's books to read. It is The Story of Ruby Bridges. This book is special to me for a few reasons. I did not know about Ruby Bridges until I started teaching. This was when I was 23, 24, about 15 years ago. I do not recall learning about her. So as I read this book to my students, I was also learning. And the story is so heartfelt of the innocence of a child that it made me teary-eyed the first time I read it. Another reason this book is important to me is because it puts things in perspective. Ruby Bridges, is the same age as my mom. We went to Memphis, Tennessee in 2021, and it just so happened my mom sat on this pew, and right behind her, there was a picture of Ruby Bridges. I took the picture because my mom is the same age as Ruby Bridges. My mom went to segregated schools growing up in Mississippi, she drank from different water fountains. And I don't know how much I took that in until I read the book.
1: Wow. So it sounds like you have a very personal relationship with all of these books.
0: Yes, I do. And this is why banning the books is so disheartening to me. and. A form of injustice is because there's very little representation of our history, and there's very few stories that paint us as resilient, helpful, kind. And by removing some of these books, you take away that storyline. You take away that no, Black people aren't lazy on welfare. There were people in the 1900s owning tens or hundreds of acres of land. you take away that black people are unpatriotic by saying no, once upon a time, they weren't viewed as American citizens. And you take away the ignorance of racism being far removed from our history. So that's why banning books really disheartens me. But one thing I feel, and I haven't researched this, is that as humans, we're rebellious. If you tell us not to read something, we're going to say, well, why? So although they may be banned or challenged in the school system or even public libraries, I wonder if there's an increase in sales elsewhere.
1: That is a good question. And I think doing things like this, having this podcast Episode bringing to light that there are books that have been banned that are worthy of being read. Although they aren't being read in schools, you can still pick them up from bookstores or even private citizens who may be selling their books or even from people who have libraries at home borrowing books. So the information is out there for us. We just have to know that it exists. Did you want to read from? either of those two books. One of the things that came to my mind when you talked about the Lift Every Voice, so many of us know the first part, but not the entire song. Okay. So I'm
0: glad that you mentioned that Lift Every Voice and Sing, as I stated, is in the beginning of the book of Sing a Song. And the last stanza says, God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we meet thee. Lest our heart, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. And I think that's a very powerful stanza, especially thinking that it was written over 120 years ago. And even then, there was a connection still to Africa, even though we had been removed for hundreds of years. And there was reverence to of what we've overcome and still having hope.
1: And the fact that People are still having debates about this song. And the fact that we're still singing this song today speaks volumes about this song. What about the Ruby Bridges book? Did you want to read any from that?
0: Well, I'm having a little trouble getting to the book. But the part in that book that really touched me was near the end when Ruby bent down. And they thought she was tying her shoe. And they asked her, what was she doing? And she said, she was praying for the people who didn't want her to go to school because of her skin color. It's something along those lines. And earlier in the story, it demonstrates how her parents rooted her in Christianity. So she could have that attitude and be so brave at a young age. So that was part of the book that made me teary eyed because of the innocence
1: of it. I can definitely see that. Talking about Brave, yeah, what was she, nine years old or something like that when she went to integrate the school?
0: She was younger than nine because they moved to New Orleans in 1957. She's the same age as my mom, who was born in 1953, so she had to be six or seven years old.
1: Wow. I can't even imagine what she went through that young, going to school like that. Yeah, powerful. And I think people should know her story. It's important. Like there was a time where Black children weren't able to go to the same school with the white children. This is history. It's American history. Did you say why it was banned? So most of
0: these books are banned because of racism. Before we wrap up, I wanted to say this. The argument often with books that's focusing on racism is that it's exposing children to it so young. However, the the last book that we spoke of is a good illustration of how it's a tunnel vision because there are little black and brown children being exposed to racism before they can write their full name. But people find it offensive to teach about it while another group has to experience. So I think things can be done in a child-friendly way without painting anybody in the room as a bad person or from a bad group, or even as a victim. So that's what I think. And I think in a book concerning Ruby Bridges is a good display of that. Yes, it's early to introduce children to racism. However, children are being introduced to racism, whether their parents are teaching it or whether they're experiencing it. Either way, at least by having the discussions, we can make progress as a group of people, as a group of human beings.
1: Very well said. The books that I have are more geared towards older students, maybe high school students and college students. I know some of these books were high school readings, and they were either banned or challenged, and mostly for being sexually explicit or for the profane language. At least that's what they say are the reasons why they were banned. One of the books is Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. An interesting thing is there have been several of Toni Morrison's books that have been either challenged or banned, but I thought It was interesting that the bluest eye was banned and they said it was because of child sexual abuse and it being sexually explicit. But this book is also about racism. It's about what this child experienced and how she was teased and called names that she wanted to have blue eyes because she thought having blue eyes was going to make her better. I just want to read one page from this book. As we emerged from the school with Maureen, we began to moat immediately. We put our headscarves in our coat pockets and our coats on our heads. I was wondering how to maneuver Maureen's fur muff into a gutter when a commotion in the playground distracted us. A group of boys was circling and holding at bay a victim, Pecola Bay Bayboy, Woodrow Kane, Buddy Wilson, Junie Bug like a necklace of semi-precious stones they surrounded her heady with the smell of their own musk thrilled by the easy power of a majority they gaily harassed her blacky mo blacky mo your daddy sleeps naked blacky mo blacky mo your daddy sleeps naked blacky mo they had extemporized a verse made up of two insults about matters over which the victim had no control the color of her skin, and speculations on the sleeping habits of an adult wildly fitting in its incoherence. That they themselves were Black, or that their own father had similarly relaxed habits was irrelevant. It was their contempt for their own Blackness that gave the first insult its teeth. They seemed to have taken all of their smoothly cultivated ignorance, their exquisitely learned self-hatred. Their elaborately designed hopelessness and sucked it all up into a fiery cone of scorn that had burned for ages in the hollows of their minds, fooled and spilled over lips of outrage, consuming whatever was in its path. They danced a macabre ballet around the victim, whom, for their own sake, they were prepared to sacrifice to the flaming pit. Blacky Moe, Blacky Moe, your daddy sleeps naked.
0: Oh, wow! I have never read the Bluest Eyes, but I've heard of it, and that is it gives voice to the black experience.
1: Not only do you have to contend with people from other races treating you badly, but then when you're contending with people of your same race treating you badly because of their own because of their own self hatred is even sadder. It is. Wow,
0: uh, what's your second book?
1: My second book is Alice Walker's *The Color Purple*. Same thing; it's wrought with abuse and language. These things happen. These things—they're real. They're true. And I think people should read it. And I—I I really think it should be a choice whether or not you want to read these things. And maybe. Maybe some of these books may be inappropriate for certain age groups, and other age groups, they're not. I think banning is not the way to go. Give people choices and options to read or not read.
0: I'm very much with you on making it a choice because, sadly, there are students and in- regardless of their kindergarten or 12th grade, who have had some of these experiences. So this book can be triggering to them.
1: Exactly.
0: As you were reading, I wanted to look up some quick stats on Black women and sexual assault. And it says, for every Black woman who reports rape, at least 15 Black women do not report it. One in four Black girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18.
1: Wow. And
0: I think... By hearing these stories, people who have been violated can start to seek justice, especially Black women. And, of course, there's Black men and boys who are assaulted as well. But the book you're speaking of is from the perspective of two Black women. Yes. So won't you shake your shimmy? So are you going to
1: sing some, uh, not sing, are you going <laughs> to read some of the, <laughs> the purple? How about I read just a smidgen? I'm going to read a very small piece. Dear God, I spent my wedding day running from the oldest boy. He 12, his mama died in his arms and he don't want to hear nothing about no new one. He picked up a rock and laid my head open. The blood run all down between my breast. His daddy say, don't do that, but that's all he say. He got four children instead of three, two boys and two girls. The girl's hair ain't been combed since their mammy died. I tell him I just have to shave it off, start fresh. He say bad luck to cut a woman hair. So after I bandage my head best I can and cook dinner, they have a spring, not a well, and a wood stove look like a truck. I start trying to untangle hair. They only six and eight and they cry. They scream. They cuss me of murder. By 10 o'clock, I'm done. They cry themselves to sleep, but I don't cry. I let there thinking about Nettie while he on top of me, wondering if she's safe. And then I think about Suge Avery. I know what he doing to me, he done to Suge Avery, and maybe she like it. I put my arm around him.
0: Wow, The Color Purple, probably one of the most quoted movies from Black people, dead end, and, uh, coming to America, at least from our generation.
1: Yeah, you that's told Harpo should,
0: to beat me. And <laughs> that's why I, I should shout out, and won't you shake your sister? Yeah. So you've done Alice Walker. You've done Toni Morrison. Who is your third author and book?
1: My third author and final book is Richard Wright, Black Boy. I believe I read this book in
0: college, but I don't remember it that well.
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a college read. If it's a high school read, probably 12th grade it was banned for obscenity and instigating hatred between the races. But my thing is, how do you say that somebody is instigating when they're telling their story? If this is what he experienced, if he experienced hatred from white folks from the Jim Crow South, that's what he experienced. If he experienced all of the racism and all of the things that people endured in the Jim Crow South, like you were saying, some of the things that your mother experienced. If it's true and it's real and people are writing it in books, I don't understand how people say that they're instigating anything. They're telling their stories. That's what they're doing.
0: And it's a fallacy to say that it causes division or... I forgot the particular the specific words that you use, but I feel like it's just a fallacy to get people to ignore that part of history because it makes them feel better when they don't hear it. But could you refresh my memory and read some of Richard Wright? Is it Richard Wright?
1: Yes. You didn't eat, she said. No, ma'am, I said. I'm not hungry. You eat at home? She asked, hopefully. Well, I just wasn't hungry this morning, ma'am. I lied. You don't like molasses and bread? She said dramatically. Oh, yes, ma'am, I do. I defended myself quickly, not wanting her to think that I dare criticize what she had given me. I don't know what's happened to you in words nowadays. She sighed, wagging her head. She looked closely at the molasses. It's a sin to throw out molasses like that. I'll put it up for you this evening. Yes, ma'am, I said heartily. Neatly, she covered the plate of molasses with another plate, then felt the bread and dumped it into the garbage. She turned to me, her face lit with an idea. What grade are you in? Seventh, ma'am. Then why are you going to school? She asked in surprise. Well, I want to be a writer. I mumbled, unsure of myself. I had not planned to tell her that, but she had made me feel so utterly wrong and of no account that I needed to bolster myself. A what, she demanded? A writer, I mumbled. For what? To write stories, I mumbled defensively. You'll never be a writer, she said. Who on earth put such ideas into your inward word head? Nobody, I said. I didn't think anybody ever would, she declared indignantly. As I walked around her house to the street, I knew that I would not go back. The woman had assaulted my ego. She had assumed that she knew my place in life, what I felt, what I ought to be, and I resented it with all my heart. Perhaps she was right. Perhaps I would never be a writer, but I did not want her to say so. Had I kept the job, I would have learned quickly just how white people acted towards Negroes. But I was too naive to think that there were many white people like that. I told myself that there were good white people, people with money and sensitive feelings. As a whole, I felt that they were bad, but I would be lucky enough to find the exceptions.
0: Oof. Now, I don't know if this was a conversation or a spread to good news, but we talked about a guy from the 60s or 70s who lost his rights to the things that he wrote. And he had same similar experience of his mom saying, why would you want to be a writer? And I think that goes to show how society can stifle men because they deem so much stuff feminine or sensitive. I really enjoyed hearing that and it refreshing my memory.
1: Sometimes people wonder, how dare you think you can be something that they think may be exclusively theirs? Like, what makes you think you can be a writer? This white woman is saying to this black boy, like, who told you that? Like, Why did anybody have to tell me that? Why can't I be a writer? And just think, had he continued to go there, she may have beat down his self-esteem to the place where he never became a writer. But guess what? He became a writer and he wrote this book. Which is now
0: a classic. Wow. So we've gone over quite a few books, six to be exact. And I am just so grateful that we did different ends of the spectrum. I did more elementary and you did high school but it's important because those books that are being banned are being banned kindergarten through 12th grade. Latricia we have talked about a variety of books from kindergarten to 12th grade I think it's very important that we understand that the level of Difficulty of reading these books and the age of understanding them varies. However, kindergarten through 12th grade, there's different books banned. What are some of your final thoughts in summarizing this podcast episode?
1: I believe although some of these books are banned, that they are really important books to this country and particularly to African American culture or Black culture. But I also want to say that I know the books that we talked about today were by Black authors, but there are books that are banned by non Black authors. And I think we talked about before Uncle Tom's Cabin, Huck Finn, those kind of books, even some Shakespearean books. So there are all kinds of books that are banned. But I think when it comes to Self determination, like I said at the beginning, part of self determination is speaking for ourselves. And we speak for ourselves when we write these types of stories. And I think we have to choose for ourselves what we are going to read. There are people who are trying to control what we read, what we say. And some of those people are parents, some of them are teachers, some of them are politicians. So there are people across different aspects that are inciting these bands, but when it's all said and done, I think we get to choose for ourselves.
0: Very good points, and I think that's a good segue into the principal challenge.
1: Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to read and share some of the band books by Black authors. Did you know that there was a banned books week that happens every year because Ah. there are people who don't appreciate censorship and there are people who fight for the First Amendment rights of others. And they have banned book week where they encourage you to read books that are banned. I love it. Banned book week. It's in October.
0: Cool. For our next section, open your mind, hearts, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Sticking with the theme of the literature, we have three separate pieces focusing on teens and writers. Good news number one. Did you know there was a literary category for the NA? ACP Image Award. The NAACP Image Awards have been around for 50 years. The 2022 list has winners and nominees such as Tabitha Brown for Feeding a Soul, Because It's My Business, Nicole Hannah Jones for The 1619 Project, Will Smith for Will, and Stacey Abrams for Stacey's Extraordinary Words. Our second good news note comes from a band book turned highly quoted movie turned musical Broadway play and now showing up differently in 2023. Latricia named it Color Purple. Color Purple is coming to theaters December 2023 in the form of a musical film. Oprah will be one of the four executive producers. Cast will vary from Taraji P. Henderson, Fantasia, and Haley Bailey. If you haven't seen the movie from the 80s, or read the book, please get acquainted. Our final good news. The ultimate way to ban a book is to burn all copies or the original copy. This extreme tactic has been used within just the last decade towards African ancient transcripts. However, there were rebel readers who smuggled books and hid them to preserve them. Now, thousands of manuscripts from Africa have been digitized in Google. Thanks to local residents and global academics, over 40,000 pages spanning from the 11th century to the 20th century have been preserved for good in Google Arts and Culture's Mali Magic Portal, a compendium of digitized artifacts, many of which have never been publicly available before. That concludes our good news. Latricia, our soul snack.
1: Our soul snack for today comes from an African proverb that says gold should be sold to the one who knows the value of it. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds
0: and impact your communities.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.